Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, good morning. It's uh, great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, I had a fantastic weekend with Ronnie and Carrie. And um, I just want to say that I couldn't thank Ronnie enough for letting me have this opportunity to be here this morning to uh, speak to you from the Word of the Lord. And I had an idea, and as Ronnie and I have talked several times, and he kind of told me, you know, like, hey, Scott, you know, you're welcome to come out November the 1st. And as I looked at my calendar, and I'm thinking along a sermon line, I realized we were two days before Election Day. And I said, oh, wow, I can't really speak on something like uh, I was going in a direction. And then I called Ronnie and said, I'm going to have to change things that I was thinking about. But before I get started, you know, when Ronnie was up here uh, talking about, like, my family when we were younger, a lot younger, (laughs) a lot different body physiques back then. And, uh, you know, my family went to church and started in that same church where we had the bus ministry that, that knocked on Ronnie's family's door. And that's how we started going to church, too, was in that same, it was a Memorial Baptist Church. And somebody came and knocked on our door and said, hey, you know, would you kids, and there was, I think, three of us at the time, which ballooned to six with my parents, and um, would you kids like to come to church? And, of course, I don't think the folks in church knew what they were asking for. And uh, then when you hooked us up with the Tabers, they really didn't know what they were asking for. But um, we had a really good time uh, spiritually. Uh, you know, the, my, my mom and dad are both saved and on their way to heaven. And Ronnie's parents, I'll, we'll all be rejoined with them one day in heaven. And it, it's just an awesome thing that you just don't see how your life impacts other lives. And I think about, you know, the, the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, you know, around Christmas time, how everybody's life impacts somebody else's. And, you know, if, if Ronnie and I had gone on to Bible college and done different things, I wouldn't have met Dana. Ronnie may not have met Carrie, don't know. But, you know, thank God that I did, you know, meet my wife. Not thank God that I didn't go to Bible college, but, you know, I think the Lord has a path for you. And that was my path to say, you know what, I'm going to send you in this direction. Even though you're not listening to me right now, there are things that the Lord will work with you in his life, in our life, I should say, in his plan. And he, you may not say, and you may not see it now, or you may not see it when you're involved in it, but the Lord has a plan for your life and where it ends up. If you would have told me a couple years ago that I'd be standing here in front of you today, I would have laughed it off. Um, I would have made some jokes about it, and guess what? I would have went on. But, you know, my friend Ronnie, <laughs> who came out and stayed with me when I had my hip operation in 97, right? Um, of course, Dana don't remember it, but he was at my house for, uh, what, about eight weeks, I guess, and every single weekend, Ronnie was there, and we got to talk back then, and we were still friends, and then we were friends again when I had my hip replaced again, and uh, he came out and stayed with me for a while there, and, you know, we got to catch up, but, you know, if you make decisions, and that's what I'm going to speak about today, if you make decisions in your lives, whether you like it or not, it's a vote. You're making a conscious vote and a conscious decision on which way you're going to go and which direction you're going to head. And you never know what life you're going to touch at the end of the day. 
Okay? It's very, very important that, you know, you just, just let God work with your life and let him be in control. And a lot of folks will say, oh, well, God's in control. I'm just going to do what I want. No, that's, you're kind of stretching a little bit there. But, you know, God is in control. God knows what's going to happen with your life, and he knows where you're going to head. So when I was looking at the, um, you know, the events that are happening in our country, and believe me, I'm not going to sit up here and I'm not going to endorse any political candidate or things like that, because if you're not filtered enough or you're not tired enough of that, then, okay, God bless you. But, you know, it's just important that as we look at a vote, and I'm going to give you the Webster's definition of a vote, it's a formal expression or of opinion or choice, either positive or negative, made by an individual or body of individuals. That's what a vote is in its basic form. Um, we got a lot of votes that are coming up, you know, Tuesday that are very, very important. You know, I was talking to Ronnie about like some local issues or state issues like tax at will. You know, we're going to raise your taxes whether you like it or not. I mean, that's, that's a unique concept, the government trying to take more money from us. But, you know, why, why would we vote for something like that? That's really important, right? I could say some things up here today that would really push some buttons with folks. You know, gun control. I don't see anybody drawing on me. Um, abortion. How about religious freedom? Those are things you're going to go to the polls on on Tuesday or if you haven't voted already. But those are things that you're thinking, oh, I've got to take care of that Tuesday. Some people may be sitting in here today, and the most important vote that you have is where are you going to end up in eternity? The most important vote that you have is not those issues that I just talked about that are important, but in the big scheme of things, if you died today, if you didn't make it home, where would you be? That is the number one most important thing that can be settled today by anybody that's here or anybody that's listening. And that's the most important thing. The other things are important, but that's the most important. Um, there's some things in the Bible that we don't get a vote on. Um, you know, if you look at like how long that your life is, your life expectancy is. And I had to look this one up because I just wasn't up on exactly you know, what the Bible says about our life expectancy. But you know the Bible does talk about it. And in Genesis 6-3, thank goodness for all of us, we were going to live about 120 years. 120. But God changed that in Psalm 90 <laughs> to give us 70 years, and if we are very healthy, 80. So guess what? The better part of my life is, is over. Um, you know, I'm 52 years old, so I'm kind of nearing that 70 and that 80, and, you know, I need to make sure that, you know, what I'm doing for the Lord is correct. Now, does, does that mean I'm just going to be just, uh, you know, I'm going to forget about my job, and I'm going to forget about everything else, and I'm just going to go, you know, knock on every door I can until I fall over? Not necessarily, but I'm going to be more in tune to what God wants me to do and where the Lord leads me in my life. And as we kind of look at that and we say, well, how much time do we have left on the earth? You know, we don't know. Does Jesus know? No. God the Father is the only one that knows when the rapture is coming, when he's going to pull us out. And like Ronnie said, when him and I were there, I mean, we were 200 and some odd feet up in the air. If we would have went yesterday, we would have been pretty close. We would have been ahead of a lot of folks, all right? But what would happen if the rapture came? 
and of course we were talking about this this morning at the table, you know, a lot of folks would say, wow, Jesus is coming back imminent. He's going to be here next week, next month, next year. And this was preachers preaching in the 70s, and preachers preaching in the 60s, and in the 80s. And guess what? The apostles preached that too, that the coming of the Lord is imminent, because they believe that. But we don't know what that day is. You don't know, I don't know, Pastor Ronnie don't know, but it's coming. But the fact is, is that also our death is coming. That's, if the rapture don't come, we all have that. It's appointed unto man once to die. And where would you be? Where have you voted to be? Where have you made that conscious decision to spend eternity? Um, so as, as we kind of look at that and we say, you know, we know kind of what happens in the Bible. We, you know, my wife uh, is a huge fan of Hallmark movies. How many guys in here watch Hallmark Channel all the time, every day, I hope? Um, the thing I like and the comparison that I'm going to make on the Hallmark Channel is I could save her probably 20 hours a week just by watching the first five minutes of that Hallmark movie. I can tell you that the uh, lady that has the Christmas tree farm is going to run into her ex-boyfriend that she dated in high school because... The rich guy from New York really doesn't mean that much to her because he's going to go to the big city and they need to stay at that little town and open up the Christmas tree farm and be happy and have 20,000 kids and make a lot of money, right? Is that, I think that's all of them, at least the ones I have watched. But I know the ending of those movies right in five minutes. I've read this book cover to cover several times. This is a, I don't want to downplay the Bible, but this is a movie, the Hallmark movie, you know the ending to. You know the beginning of. You know the middle parts. You know the drama. You know what's going to happen. I mean, the Bible's written for us to understand. And, I, and I've listened to Ronnie. I, uh, I have a deer shop at home. I, I butcher deer, and I hope I don't offend anybody. But um, I have a little butcher shop because I learned to cut meat back in the day. And me and my son, we, uh, we process deer. While I'm down there by myself, I have... Uh, podcast running of some sermons and ever I tell Ronnie it's in a loop and so I'll, I'll hear his and hear his messages and things like that but as I'm listening you know I get I get the meat of the Bible all the time and I hear these messages and I'm like it, it's all laid out for us so it's not a mystery of what's going to happen the only mystery is when everything else is factual it's laid out it's black and white you can you can count on it just like you can the ending of those movies it's, it's right there. It's right there in front of you. So when we start deciding on how we're going to, you know, how we're going to vote, um, I had a guy I worked for that used to say, you know, you don't get a vote on this. You just do it. And he was a very good boss, but there were certain things I could talk to him about, but there were other things that I didn't get an option on. He didn't tell me it was up to me. He was like, you don't get a vote. And that's it. So when it does come time for you to say, okay, you know, well, why am I so important? And when you are so important, did you know that God created us in his image? I mean, we look similar to what I think that God's going to look like when we get into heaven. He created us in his image back in Genesis. The first six chapters of Genesis are just packed full of just information that I like to read and reread sometimes because it's like it's just so impactful on my daily living. So when God created us in his image, you know, and we say, what are we going to do with our life? 
You know, if you're looking at John 3, and as soon as you start talking about John 3, what do we think of? John 3, 16, right? But in John 3, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, and this was one of the first times that he was talking to him about, you, might, you must be born again. You know, what was Nicodemus's thought? How can I be born again? How can I go back into the womb and be born? And if you think about that, it's like, just imagine being hit with that the very, very first time that you heard it, and you had never heard of being saved, or you had never heard of being born again. You didn't know what that meant. And Nicodemus is saying, how can I be born again? How can I be in my mother's womb again? And Jesus explained that to him, that you need to be born not only of the flesh, which is your natural birth, but you need to be born of the Spirit. And I find it now that it's so relevant that a lot of folks that I talk to and that I reach out to, that they have no idea. They have no concept of what being born again is. They just, they just think about, oh, you know, you go to church and you read your Bible. Um, I, had, I had the opportunity with a lady at work to, to preach at her dad's church. Her dad became ill. And it was just as simple as I bowed my head for lunch and prayed for my lunch. And she goes, I, I saw you prayed for your lunch. She goes, nobody prays for lunch. I said, I do. I thank God for my food. He's provided it for me. He provided me the means to get it. And guess what? I'm, I'm going to thank him for that. I'm going to thank him for that opportunity to eat. And so I, I told you earlier, and uh, I wasn't even going to mention this, but it just came to me, and, uh, you know, Dana will appreciate this. But um, For a while there, when I was kind of drifting away from the Lord and I was drifting on, you know, where I wanted to go and, and my selfishness and then everything, I had to pick Dana's cousin, Pat, up from the airport. And so we stopped and we had Chick-fil-A. And Pat said, well, aren't you going to pray for lunch? And that struck through me like a dart through my heart. Because here she is coming from Georgia to come up and visit her family. And I picked her up from the airport. And I said, you know, it's a shame that I had to have somebody else really hit that to me. Why aren't you blessing your food? And it was just her and I in a car coming up to visit family. And I thought, you know, that's kind of sad that I had to have somebody else kind of point that out to me that we're just eating a chick I think it was Chick-fil-A sandwich and we're not, we're not we didn't even I wasn't even going to thank the Lord for that food and here Pat is and just you know <laughs> used of the Lord to say Scott you need to get on the program you know and that opportunity that I had at work to bow my head and pray for my lunch led me to being able to go down and preach in Pastor Jay's church in Glen Burnie Maryland and if I hadn't bowed my head and prayed for that lunch you know, she would have never asked me. She would have never thought anything else. It would have just been like, oh, okay, another guy eating his lunch here at the table. But it didn't matter to me if there was 10 people at the table or 100. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm going to say, Lord, thank you for this food. As simple as that. I'm not going into a, you know, 30-minute prayer or anything like that or breaking out a prayer book, and this is what I need to say. It was just, you know, thank you for the food that I'm about to partake of and what I'm going to get involved in here today at work. And then it led to another opportunity to go preach at that church. But as we go on, we don't know the people that see these things that we do and how we act as Christians. We can say we're a Christian, right? And we can tell everybody, you know, that I, I go to church every Sunday and, you know, you kind of, we, we talked about a little bit, Ronnie, but, 
you know, it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Saturday morning, this and that and other. You know, you had to be here and do this and do that and very regimented on what you did when we were kids. But if you told somebody today that, you know, hey, I go to church and when I, if I happened to die or something happened to me, I'd be in heaven. And, and one thing that sticks out to me is if somebody accused you of being a Christian and they said, you're a Christian and you're a Christian and you're a Christian, and they accused you, how much evidence would there be to convict you? Would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? I don't know. Only you can answer that. Only you can say that, yes, there is. Um, you know, when, when, I look, when I look at, like, when uh, after Nicodemus kind of got that through his head about being born another time, you know, and then we go back down into John three sixteen and 17, I mean, everybody knows what John 3.16 is. It's that verse that's held up at all the games and all the athletic events and everything else, and everybody can probably quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How many of you have kids? Okay. You're going to appreciate this. I got two boys. You got two boys. We didn't plan it that way, by the way, me and Ronnie. So. Same age. Didn't plan that either. Um, two boys. I wouldn't give up either one of my sons for anything. I have a grandson, Hunter. I wouldn't give him up for anything. I could not be Abraham. I could not be God. Um, I, I could not give them up for anything. But when we think about that verse and the magnitude of it, that this wasn't just, yeah, it's for God's love the world, he gave his only begotten son. His only begotten son, only ever, and with the fact that he knew that he was going to have to come down to the earth, take a human form, and die for no good reason except to save us. Did he do anything wrong? Jesus do anything wrong? None. Zero. His whole purpose was to come and die for our sins. That we might have everlasting life? Yes. Everlasting. I already talked about our time on the earth. I did a little numbers chart because I, I love playing with numbers. And so I did a little Excel spreadsheet once. And I think I put like 5,000 little squares on this Excel spreadsheet. And in one of them, I put the amount of years that we live on the earth, approximately. So I looked at that one little dot, and I even colored it red, and I printed it out. And you know how hard it was for people when I said, here, find the red dot, here, find the red dot. And I just did it randomly, just as kind of like a, you know, kind of like a little thing. Nobody could really find it until you pointed it out to them. But when you look at that paper and you look at that sheet, and for those of you that like messing with Excel, try that sometime. After you put the little dot in there, print it out, and then look at it. The thing that jumped out to me, because I like playing with that kind of stuff, is that's our life. So in the big scheme of things, we're running around here. What are we doing? We're working. We're in the rat race. We're, we're trying to you know, do this and build you know, assets and things and all this stuff. And I, and I listened to a pastor on the radio, Paul Shepard, and Paul Shepard will all of a sudden hit you with this kind of frequently because I've heard it from him a couple times. 
I don't see no U-Hauls following the hearses to the cemetery. So when something happens to you and you go, everything that you have stays here. I've told my boys when I go, flip a coin, throw everything on the bed and dibby it out. I don't care. I'm not around. Their mom don't care. Dibby it out. I'm not taking it with me. The only thing I'm taking with me is my soul, is my spirit. And yes, I am pointing that way. Because I've already made arrangements to miss hell. And everyone that's here can make those same arrangements. If there's anybody that hasn't, that, that's the most important vote that you're going to make. The most important whatever. I mean, I heard Ronnie speaking a couple weeks ago about the, uh, and, and I'm sorry if I don't call you Pastor Ronnie, but <laughs> uh, I'll try to work on that a little bit, but. You know, I'd heard him talking a couple weeks ago about how he voted and his guy won and his guy lost, and, you know, and things like that. And guess what? That's going to happen. Some people are going to be really happy Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or whenever. Some people are going to be really sad. But what's going to happen, let's say, 100 years down the road? I think I would dare say, except for some very, very young people that are listening to this service or that are here today, 100 years from now, we're, we're going to be in the ground if the Lord hasn't came back. That's what matters. And you can say, well, Scott, you're just talking about being saved, and I'm already a Christian, and that's fantastic. What are you doing to impact those people around you and that you have direct contact with? I can't talk about the Lord at my work. We have a no-religion kind of policy. I can't discuss that. can't really talk about it, because if I do, I'll get fired. Does anybody work in that environment? It's, it's true. It's a real environment. It's a real environment. that your, job, your boss can come up and say, you can't be talking about that at work. But what if you bowed your head for saying a blessing on your lunch? Can they stop you from doing that? Nope, they can't. So if you're praying for your lunch, is that a testimony? It is, Absolutely. Um, I remember hearing stories about like folks coming up to you and saying, I, I saw you praying. Can, can you just talk to me about this? It didn't happen to me. But some of my family members, they come, can you talk to me for a minute about this? I saw you praying. That speaks volumes because our actions speak louder than our words. We can say all these good things and all these flowery things and have bumper stickers on our car, but what does it really mean at the end of the day? Does it mean that you live a Christian life because you have a, you know, a t-shirt and, a, you know, getting new shirts made for the church, which I, I think I'm going to order one? Does that mean that, you know, you're going to heaven because you have one of those shirts on? Nope. Does it mean that you're living right because everybody sees you pull into the church on Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday night and all that? Does that mean anything? No. What it means is what you have right in here. And that is the most important thing. That is the most important vote you can make. And as a Christian, when we choose not to tell other people when we have an opportunity or when we do have that opportunity to say a prayer, then we've made a conscious vote to say, you know what, you're not that important. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, a, uh, <laughs> it's not a story, it's a factual thing. So my brother died October 22nd, two years ago, of a fentanyl overdose. And when my brother died... My best friend came to the funeral. 
and my best friend is not a Christian. Um, I've witnessed to him before, talked to him before, and his wife called my sister. Was my sister, right? Do you remember? You don't know. Maybe I didn't share it with my wife. I don't see her very much, so that's why we get along so good. <laughs> she, she works retail, and uh, I do retirement planning, and so people say, man, you and Dana get along great. I say, yeah, we don't see each other. And we've been, how long have we been married? 30, 30, 34 years, 37 years, 38 years? I don't know. It's been a long time. And, and we do. We get along really, really good. We get along like Pastor Ronnie and Carrie. Um, we, we get along really well and love my wife with all our heart, with all my heart, I should say. Kind of messed that one up. But the thing is, is that Mike came to, uh, you know, to uh, my brother's funeral, and he reached out to one of the people that were there about, hey, I really need to talk to you. After the messages that were presented at my brother's funeral, and you know that this person, whoever it was, and I don't know, told him they didn't have time. They didn't have time. I haven't been able to break into that door again. I haven't been able to find a way to talk to Mike about his eternal soul. I haven't been able to find out a way to say, you know, this is so important to you that you just don't even understand. But that's why these opportunities that we have, we need to make sure that we are making these choices and in, in a certain respect, these votes that would impact somebody else's life. So as Christians, we need to be prepared when somebody comes up to you and says, hey, why, why are you a little bit different than the next guy? What's going on in your life? And you need to take that opportunity because where you all work, where you can't witness, if somebody comes up and opens the door for you, guess what? You can answer questions. And that's a powerful thing when they come up and they ask you, hey, what, what's going on? Can you help me with this? You know, like Pastor Ronnie said, you know, he'll, he'll help you with whatever. Fill out that card and, you know, if you've got a concern or whatever, prayer is a powerful thing. You put somebody on a prayer list and guess what? There are intercessions made from you with what is it? Groanings that cannot even be uttered. Powerful. Somebody's going up and going up and saying, look, this is what we're going to take care of for you. So as we look at the Bible, there's some things that, you know, when there were votes made in the Bible, and when, you know, when we talk about, wow, how, how did those votes turn out? You know, who was the first person to vote in the Bible ever? I would say it was the devil himself. The devil voted when he was in heaven. Prior to everything, he thought he was going to overthrow God. And how'd that work out? He got thrown out of heaven, right? Took a third of the angels with him. He was going to overthrow God. He voted. He lost. He lost that election. He's still losing. He knows what the Bible says about where he's going to end up. And what do you think he's doing? He is battling us as Christians, unsaved folks. What does he want the Christian folks to do? <laughs> he wants the Christian folks to be so sidelined and so on the shelf that you're just ineffective. If he can make a Christian ineffective, he's won. Are you going to go to heaven? Yes. Are you going to have the rewards in heaven? No. You're going to be saved by fire. This close, you made it. But what else has he done? If, you, if you're not saved and he can take a Christian 
and say, you know what, I'm going to keep you from witnessing to that person that's in your family. I'm going to keep you from being a testimony to that person that's at your job. I'm just going to keep you from being effective as a Christian person. You know, if you're unsaved, it's just, it's just an open book. It's just simple as black and white. But if you're a Christian, what's the devil doing? Um, the devil's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's a fact. Does he come around and just come straight at you and go, boom, I want to ruin your testimony? No. And I'm going to show you why. In Genesis chapter 3 is the story of Adam and Eve. And it's also the story of when Eve took an eight of that tree and then gave it to her husband Adam. How many of you know that story? Everybody? Very familiar with it, right? And I was reading that, and as I was preparing this message, I kind of thought about it, and I overthink things sometimes. I mean, my wife will agree with that. I mean, I, I over, overanalyze and everything else. And, you know, as I, as I put those two pieces of information together, that the devil's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and the part about Eve eating of that tree of knowledge and good and evil, let me ask you a question and think about this. Do you think that's the first time that Eve looked at that tree when the devil came and said, hey, would you want to eat of it? There is no thing in the Bible that says this. This is my opinion. But if the devil as a roaring lion was looking, and maybe Eve just took a little glance over at that tree as she's walking through the Garden of Eden. Possibly. I don't know that for a fact. And the devil, being the roaring lion, kind of saw that and said, wait a minute, I might have an opportunity here. And then all of a sudden when he presented it to her, did God say you're really going to die? And what happened when she bit in that fruit? Everybody says it's an apple, but we don't know. What happened? Did she die? Yes. But she didn't drop dead, so what did she think? Oh, well, I didn't die. I'm going to go give this to Adam. And the devil crafted those things way, way back in the Garden of Eden. And, of course, we all know that Eve was just a sinner, just a terrible person, correct? No. Adam and Eve walked with God daily in the garden. The devil tricked her. The devil saw an opening and took advantage of it. And then here we are how many years later? Still the devil taking advantage of us and taking advantage of opportunities to say, here, let me put you on the shelf as a Christian. Let me make sure that if you're even thinking about getting saved and the Holy Spirit's working on your heart that, nah, look, you got time. You got time. So many stories, so many opportunities, and so many things that we've heard and that through our Christian lives and things that we hear about folks that say, you know what, I'm going to take care of that next week. Boom, they're in eternity. Next week doesn't come. I, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of that tonight. I, I, I don't have time. I've got to go home. I gotta, something's on TV, and I've got to watch it, and I recorded it. And You're not guaranteed one extra second. You're not guaranteed one extra minute. That family member that's on your mind right now, that, you know, I, I really need to talk to them. That person that's most near and dear to you, you're not guaranteed a thing. In Genesis 6, we go on to Noah. And what did Noah do? Noah voted. Noah built an ark. And what happened? Do we know what happened with Noah? He put all his family on the ark. And then what happened to the door? Noah shut the door real tight, right? God shut the door. What happened to all those folks that were on the outside of the ark? 
Do you think there was anybody on, that, on the earth at that time that could swim and that was a survivalist and they knew how to take care of themselves and boom, boom, boom? I'm sure there was. But when God shut the door, they weren't getting in. God shut the door and they were done. Wiped off the face of the earth. The correlations between where we are today in the world and the worldly sense of things and the days of Noah and how the world was then, I cannot imagine just the things that it says that God was just, he did not even like the fact that he made man and put him on the earth. And he was going to wipe him out except for Noah. And when, they, when he shut that door and everybody was gone off the face of the earth, look at where we've come now. And the preachers that back in the day, and they said, you know, God's coming is imminent. The only thing that keeping, I can imagine that Jesus is saying, just one more. Just one more person. Just one more soul. You know, if we, uh, you know, look at David and Bathsheba and Samuel. What happened to David? King David. David killed Goliath, right? Wiped out everybody. Very powerful man. But what happened to him? He looked upon Bathsheba. Killed a guy. Lost his firstborn son. And didn't the lineage of Jesus come out of David? Absolutely. You know, David made a vote. David made a conscious choice of what he wanted to do with his life, and then he paid for it. But when David confessed his sins and forsook him, God used him tremendously. And that's Old Testament. And then when we get to the New Testament and we look at the, you know, the rich man in Luke 16 and Lazarus, we all know that story too, right? Because this is, once again, we know the ends of these stories. We're familiar with them. The rich man, when he was, you know, dressed in fine linen, fared sumptuously every day, didn't have a thing to worry about, ate where he wanted, drank what he wanted, did what he wanted. And what was Lazarus doing? Begging, eating the crumbs, begging for the crumbs that fell off his table. And what happened when they both died? We know the story. We know the story all too well. Where was Lazarus at? In Abraham's bosom in heaven. And I don't know how it works, but what did the rich man see from where he was? He saw Lazarus. And what did he say? He said, can you have Lazarus dip the tip of his finger in water because I'm tormented in this place? He is tormented. You know, back in the day, we used to put up, I don't know how much hay and straw, hundreds of degrees up in the hayloft, and uh, it would probably do good for me to go up there now and lose a couple pounds. But we would be up in there, and it'd be 120, I'm sure 100 and whatever degrees up in the top of that hayloft. And I, I love being up at the end of the elevator. And I don't know how many times that I've read this, and I think about those times that I spent up in that, in that hayloft and straw and putting up hay and straw and throwing them bales, and, and you just feel like water is ringing off of you. And all you want, not as a, a pitcher of water, you just want just a little bit. Just a little bit to help you out while you're up there working. And meanwhile, this rich man, all he wants is to tip his finger in a bottle of water and just cool his tongue. That's not an imaginary place, folks. That's a real place. 
These people that we have contact with, they're going to they're gonna make that choice. You're going to make that choice that they're going to end up there unless we tell them, unless we have the opportunity to present to them, you know what, there is something better for you. God did not come to this earth to die that anybody would be going to hell. What did he send his son for? That we would have everlasting life. Second verse in John 3, 17, God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And we use that word saved and born again just like their catchphrases. They are so powerful. We can sit in here as a community, and I can go home with my community, and we can say, yeah, yeah, you know, we're all Christians, everything like that, and that's all good because we have great fellowship together and everything else. We need to be telling folks the time is short. The time is short that I think on the earth like some of those preachers of old did. But guess what? They may be to where some of these folks might not be here the next time you come to the service. Some of the folks back home might not be there the next time I come to the service. And then what happens? Your vote is done. Once you die or once the rapture comes, there's no more voting. There are people going to be saved in the tribulation, but there's no more voting for the folks that know now. Their, their votes are over with. So if we, if we look at like in our Christian life and we say, you know, I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a better person. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but like if we say we want to, as a um, rule to get closer to God and in our daily life, how many people would like say, I, I want to read the Bible completely through? I want, to, I want to know what it's like to just read every single verse in it. Because I read Proverbs every day and post it on Facebook, whatever means something to me. And I heard this the other day when I was in my shop, just about how you can break down reading the entire Bible once every single year. If you read four pages every day, you'll read the Bible through one time every year. Four pages. You know how long that'll take you? About two to three minutes. If you're an average reader or you're a fast reader, and of course I don't know about the larger print Bibles, which I'm going to have to get one of these days. Um, but four pages, two to, three, two to three minutes of reading the God's Word. You'll read through the Bible one time. If you read 12 pages daily, You'll read through the Bible four times a year, and that's going to take you about 10 minutes. If you're really energetic and you want to take a little bit of time away from these other activities that we have, and we all have them, and you read the Bible for 30 minutes a day, you'll read the Bible through once a month. And if you look at that and you say, okay, I don't know if I can do that, all my question would have to be to you is how, how important is it to you? How important is it to you that, you know, you just read God's Word and get involved in God's Word and say, I want, I want God's Word to speak to me, and I just really want to get out of it what I can. Some people say, hey, I prefer to read the New Testament. That's fine. I love reading the New Testament. But there are important things in the Old Testament for you. You know, and for the folks that say, you know, hey, I, I believe in God, I'm fine. I believe in God. I'm, I'm really good. I don't need any of the other parts. I would just point you to James and then... James 2.19, what does it say about that? The devils believe in God and they tremble. They are trembling. They're like this. You know why? Because the devils know what the end of the book says. Their time is short. In eternity's big picture, their time is extremely short. You know, they're, 
it's very, very important, um, and me and my brother used to talk about this quite a, quite a bit, about there's going to be a uh, last person that's going to be saved. You know, there, there's going to be that last one that is going to say, what is it, Romans 10, 8, 9, I think it is, or 10, 9, and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, what does it say? You might be saved, you could be saved, shall be saved. It's pretty simple. It's not ambiguous. It's not like that, you, you know, you got to do that, and then there's a couple other little chapters in between there where, and you got to get baptized, and you got to throw away all the stuff that's not right, and then, I don't, I don't read that anywhere. I don't read that in the Bible anywhere, in the many, many verses it talks about salvation. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Very simple. How hard is that to explain to a family member? that's unsaved. How hard is that to explain to a friend that's unsaved? Pretty simple. Because God didn't send his son that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, if we read, how many people love reading the parts in the Bible about heaven? I mean, we all do. You know, anybody that's saved for five seconds wants to read about the pearly gates and the streets of gold and, the, and the, just the rivers of crystal clear water and no more pain and no more anything, no more death, no more darkness. Just everything about it is just like, wow. Just cannot wait to see it. Gets me excited. I want to see it. I don't want my knee to hurt no more. <laughs> you know, I don't want my hip to hurt no more. You know, I, want, I want to be fine. I want to go up there and just run the streets of gold. You know, but there's also an opposite part of that. Who wants to tell their friends just about the biblical descriptions of hell? And, how, and hell's a real place too. And how terrible it is. But as, as us as believers, we make a conscious decision to say, all right, we don't want to go there. We don't want our friends to go there. This is where we want to be. Then let them know. What are they going to say to you? No? Okay. Let them say no again. Let them say no again. Let them say no again. But at least give them the opportunity to make sure that, you know, one day, you know, they, they will end up in heaven. I mean, I don't have, I, I thought I had this written down, but I probably deleted it because I uh, was cutting and pasting my sermon and it kind of got all over the place. And thank goodness, you know, Ronnie was able to help me out with it. And, but when you look in the Bible and you start reading the passages, how many times heaven and hell are mentioned? Heaven blows away how much hell is mentioned. God wants you to be a part of his kingdom in heaven. God wants you to be a part of his kingdom forever for eternity. He has no desire that one person in the sound of my voice today would end up in hell. Not one person. But the sad part is that some people are. There's, there's not a choice. To me, it's, it's an easy choice. It's almost like one of these guaranteed no-brainers. If you had a choice right now, and I said, how many, if everybody wanted to be on heaven, just go to that side of the room, how many people do you think would be on over here? Zero. Everybody be running over there. Let's go. It's that simple. I went to a uh, sales seminar one time, and a guy held up a $100 bill. Room full of, like, salesmen that everybody was a prima donna. I wasn't a salesman. I was in, um, in one of the meat-buying offices at the time. And he held up his $100 bills and says, who would do whatever it takes to get this $100 bill? 
And everybody goes, oh, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would. And I was thinking to myself, I would. And he goes, so I'm asking everybody in this room right now, in a room full of several hundred people and really some distinguished sales folks, who would do whatever it takes to get this $100 bill? He did it three times. Nothing happened. He said, all right, so he goes, I'm going to ask you. He goes, why didn't you just come up and take it out of my hand? And everybody just sat there going, oh, yeah, that's right. We, we didn't do that. Well, I'll tell you what. The gift that God has given to us is even easier than that. You don't have to go take it out of anybody's hand. We just have to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, and we're saved. And that's as easy as it is for the other folks that we know and that we come in contact with. So I would just like to ask everybody today if we could take an opportunity to just really think about our votes and our daily decisions and our daily choices that we make and how important they are to everybody else that you touch. If it wasn't for somebody coming knocking on my door and talking to my mom and dad about going to church on a old yellow church bus that probably didn't run right. And I remember having the bus runners. I think I was one. I think, Ronnie, weren't you one too at, after a while? And when you were a, you know what a church bus runner is? Does everybody know what that is? <laughs> so this is fun. So when you rode on them old yellow church buses and you were coming up them neighborhoods, you were the kid that had to go out the door and go knock up on that door and say, come on, it's Ronnie and Amy and everybody there. Come on, let's go. Those were the people that you visited on Saturday that you knew they were supposed to come to church, but all you had was an address and how many kids was in that house. And they would send you out there and they would take, whoops. <laughs> so they would, they would take and they would send you out there and all of a sudden what would happen is then all these kids would come pouring out and they'd get on the bus. And then here you go. So what would happen that one day if they made a conscious decision to say, you know what? We're kind of tired today. We're not going to go visiting on that Saturday. Would I be here today? Nope. Would Pastor Ronnie be here today? Probably not. So what happened when those folks made those conscious decisions to get out of bed on Saturday, go visit that bus route, and then Sunday we had them runners going all over Aberdeen and all over Haverty Grace and getting those kids to come into church and then take the buses, and I don't remember how many buses. Do you remember how many buses we had? It was quite a few, and it was fun. And we would run all over the place and get these kids. And how many people got saved because of it and because of that ministry? And as, as we're looking around today and we're thinking about those people that we need to talk to, don't put it off. You know, don't, don't take another second. Don't take another day. I mean, you can get on the phone when you get home and you can call somebody. We'll send people different messages on social media all the time. When was the last time you kind of sent a message and say, hey, why don't you join me for church next Sunday? Or just give me a call. There's something I really want to talk to you about. Someone asked Carrie if she would come up. We would have a little invitation for everybody. If everybody would stand up with their eyes closed and nobody looking around. Just like to ask anybody, like, one question. How many people here know 100% for sure if they died, they would be in heaven today? Raise your hand. That is awesome. Amen. 
Is there anybody here that just knows that, look, there's something that I need to pray about. There's people that I really need to witness to, and I, I just like the Lord to help me, give me the strength to talk to them. Could be a friend, could be a family member. Just throw up your hand and we'll pray for you. Very good, you can put your hands down. Is there anybody here today that might say, you know what, I, I really need to make that most important vote today. I, I've been struggling with it. The Holy Spirit's dealing with my heart. I really just want to make sure that if I died, I'd be in heaven. Doesn't mean you need to come up to the front. Doesn't mean anything. Just shoot your hand up and we'll say a word of prayer for you. Amen. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.